Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast in 2021. My name is Dr. Andrew Trasilla from Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group, and I'm joined by my colleague and co-host, Peter Bagshaw, GP in Somerset and mental health lead at the CCG. Today's topic is winter blues and seasonal affective disorder. We've all had that post-Christmas lull. We've had the shortest day in the year. It's often dark and gloomy for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere for many hours of the day. And so seasonal affective disorder is something that affects quite a lot of people. Peter, would you be able to tell us what seasonal affective disorder is? I'll have a go, Andrew. As always, these things are not very clear cut. So deciding what the cutoff is between that normal state of of post-Christmas lethargy and the fact that it's not good, we can't get out because the weather's uh, not good, and and what's an actual disorder and and maybe even a label of depression that needs treatment can be quite difficult. So generally, seasonal affective disorder is a persistent low mood, and it's important it's not just feeling down from time to time. It's something that persists. Loss of pleasure or interest uh, in everyday activities. So anhedonia is the the technical term for that. And it's one of the main markers for depression. It's this thing that we would normally enjoy doing something and we just get no pleasure from it at all. And and that's a big red warning flag if if anyone has this, uh, is that there's something wrong. And then often people will feel irritable, they'll feel worthless, they'll just be looking into this black tunnel with with nothing at the end, Um, sometimes feeling lethargic, sleeping, uh, craving carbs and food to to try and cheer us up. So these are the general markers for seasonal affective disorder. Um, Andrew, you you know a little bit about the the underlying mechanisms for for this. Do you want to to tell us about this? Thank you, Peter. It's called seasonal because it's, as you quite rightly said, Peter, this isn't a normal depression. This is something that's coming on in winter and will lift with spring. Now, our mammalian bodies are are designed to cope with circadian rhythms. That's the daily rhythm of of light and day with changing day length and with the the rhythm of the years. And if you think of some mammals, um, brown and black bears, for instance, they actually hibernate all winter, and I think guinea pigs often hibernate, and some other other mammals. And so we're not necessarily being we're not necessarily designed to be going at full tilt, uh, at full capacity, and at full power all year. Electric light does change our expectations of ourselves because uh, it means that we have long days as opposed to short days, um, and so we have greater expectations. But that doesn't necessarily help the biology. Um, change. So in winter with short day length, um, we have different profiles of, of cortisol. We have a, a lower cortisol level uh, than summer with high daylight. Uh, and we really need those triggers, those environmental triggers to help us keep in tune as much as we can, because there's no doubt that, that the long hours of darkness do change some people's physiology. You know, the, the winter sun is, is much welcome. Some people in, in other years will try and escape on a holiday to, to, for winter sun, but ancient cultures used to honour 
the coming again of the winter sun at the, at the solstice, the, the 21st of December, things were going to start to get better. The days would start to get longer. And Newgrange in Ireland, the, uh, the, uh, the um, um, I think it's the rising sun shines straight into the inner chamber uh, on the 21st of December. Um, so some interesting cultural uh, approaches to it. So one of the things that's really important for us is to get that cue as soon as day is up in the morning of daylight and to get bright light outside or bright light inside, if possible, rather than waiting later in the day. And I find it absolutely fascinating that you, you talk about this. It, it resonates with something I've been thinking for a while, which is why do we get depressed? Why do we have this apparently completely negative, unhelpful feeling? And it seems as though part of the reason may be that getting through those winter months where we've evolved to cope with starvation, cope with lack of, uh, of heat, fuel and food is to lower our metabolic rate and go into a, a semi-hibernation, as you describe, happens in other mammals. Do, do you think that has any, any relevance? Um, very much so, because I think that's the mammalian body design. Now, as human beings, we, we are amazing creatures with what we've been able to achieve in, in culture, with how we live our lives and the great privileges we have. But you can't buck biology. Um, you know, to give an example, you can't last very long without fluid. Um, it, you will die if you have no water for seven days. You can last a bit longer without food. You can't live very long if you don't get sleep. If you, if you live for more than seven days without sleep, you are an outlier. I don't think anybody lives more than 10 days without sleep at all. And before that, we will have gone mad. So, um, you know, after the excitement of the summer and, and the activity of spring, summer and autumn, the natural approach is actually to wind down and to be quieter and to be calmer and to go with those rhythms. You mentioned sleep and its, its central importance. And I think a lot of people will have heard of uh, melatonin, which is one of the hormones that's produced. Um, and that's effect. Is that tied in with seasonal affective disorder? Um, certainly good melatonin production is, is really important. Uh, and it helps us feel sleepy. And maybe um, in, in seasonal affective disorder, we produce it in higher than normal amounts. Um, I don't know a huge amount about melatonin and seasonal affective disorder because most people are actually melatonin deficient because in the land of electric light, we all go to bed far later than we would do compared to sunset, apart from small children. Well, one hopes apart from small children. Uh, uh, and so we don't produce as much melatonin as, as we need. But certainly, um, more, the more sunlight we get, um, we get more serotonin um, production, and that's good for, uh, for helping. And some people find that um, sad lights or SAD lights, um, um, bright blue lights, particularly in the morning for 10 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, can actually really transform them before one ever moves towards uh, any, um, any chemical intervention at all. Uh, and I think some people have found vitamin D helpful to a certain extent, but that's something I don't know very much about. I think from my understanding, certainly a lot of us run 
uh, low levels of vitamin D deficiency, particularly through the winter, because um, even if we're getting it in our diet, most vitamin D is said to be synthesized through sunlight. So a lot of us have a low-grade vitamin D deficiency. Um, and that has effects not, not just on calcium on bones, but on immune function and the whole body. So, in fact, Department of Health advice now is that everybody should supplement in winter um, at least 400 um, international units a day, 10 micrograms a day. And some people would argue that, uh, that because we're all low anyway, we should perhaps have more for a, for a while. Um, but there are other physiological ways to get our bodies moving and to uh, help us um, get out of that sort of lethargy. So firstly, we have to recognise that we may need to rest more. But if it's driving our mood down, that cue of daylight is really important. Um, and exercise is really important. Now, exercise is a word that I think like many words, it changes its meanings over, over 10 or 20 years. It's become a word that many of us are frightened of. And I have to say, if I hear the word exercise, sometimes it sort of strikes fear into me because it gives me connotations of, of, of lycra and gyms. But exercise, um, let's call it activity instead. Activity is really good for our bodies. We have muscles and they are designed to move. And even standing up and sitting down from your chair 10 times and, and putting your hands above your head is a really good way to get the circulation moving, to get the energy moving around your body and to just help um, the body recognise that it's time to wake up, uh, time to get some activity happening and any physical activity produces beneficial endorphins, uh, endogenous morphine-like substances, which make us feel better. So activity, physical activity, actually makes us feel better and can help us with seasonal affective disorder. And there's a lot of debate on what the best activity is for both our mind and our body. But the, the, the consensus, I think, is that short bursts of activity sometimes called this high intensity uh, training plus weights all done on a graded basis is probably more of more benefit to us than going for for very long jogs and and so on so it doesn't have to be getting out when it's the wrong weather for hours and hours and of course some people would say there's no such thing as wrong weather only wrong clothing uh, but short bursts of energy can make a big difference Absolutely. And uh, it's important that we enjoy the activity that we choose. But what's important is that we actually do something um, rather than um, choose the default of thinking, well, it's it's in the too difficult box and therefore I, I won't do it. Even just walking up and down the stairs a few times is, is great activity for our muscles. And uh, that's... I'm convinced, I know about step counters, or we all, we all hear about step counters and how we need so many steps a day. I'm sure that... 500 steps up and down the stairs is equivalent to several thousand on the flat. I, I don't know what you think, Peter. Absolutely, yes. I, th I think, um, and, and certainly I've, I've tried various different things myself, and, and for me, the short bursts of high-intensity activity uh, are definitely uh, the way to go. The strength thing is interesting because for a long time, it's, the focus has been on cardiovascular exercise. There's, there's good evidence recently that, that strength training, particularly in older people, uh, is hugely beneficial. Uh, and that can be um, easily done. So even with um, if you've got, say, arthritis of the knees and find walking difficult, you can sit in the chair, lift your legs out straight in front of you until you feel the muscles 
in your legs pulling and that will actually strengthen those muscles so it, it doesn't have to be you don't have to look like joe wicks in order to be able to exercise thank goodness right. that's interesting thank you and uh, the question arises is why is it now and and has society done anything to try and alleviate it we mentioned um, briefly the winter solstice just now but uh, there are traditions not just christmas but roman saturnalia and others uh, and of course the 12 days of christmas uh, which in medieval times is when the lord and, and ladies uh, sort of they didn't they didn't serve the servants but the servants were allowed to um, let their hair down let's say and uh, and be rather more uninhibited than they were expected to be the rest the rest of the year maybe these ancient festivals and these ancient traditions were actually to mark the start of things getting better but also to give people a lift uh, to give people an emotional lift uh, at a time when a lot of people would have been feeling tough uh, life was tough and life was pretty grim I think that's right. I think it, physiologically, it, it acts as a sort of societal light box uh, because we, we've all got bright things going on and, and it sort of jerks us out of our torpor. And also, as you say, it marks the fact that the days are starting to get longer and uh, spring is around the corner. So I don't think it's a coincidence that so many major religions have settled on this time of year uh, as, as a time to celebrate. Uh, even though, as we discussed before, for a lot of people, the actual act of Christmas can be quite difficult, and we have to acknowledge that as well. But I think we need something, don't we? We do. And thinking about seasonal affective disorder, if it gets more severe and it's really handicapping how we're functioning and, and, and who we are, are, are there any medications or, or talking therapies or anything that could be helpful to us, Peter? Yeah, absolutely. So it is as amenable as other forms of depression to those treatments. So I think we would always recommend trying the lifestyle uh, measures first, trying the, a light box uh, second. Uh, but then if, if that's still unsuccessful, then CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy uh, counselling can be extremely effective. Um, and as as we know, this is now a national programme. Talking therapies are available throughout the country. Uh, and in Somerset, simply uh, look up uh, Somerset Talking Therapies. You can contact them directly. You can self-refer. You don't need to go through the GP. And they'll, they'll also do things online. And there's some uh, leaflets as well. So talking therapies, absolutely helpful. And then as probably the last resort, uh, medication certainly can be very valuable for most people. You mentioned serotonin earlier, and most of our modern antidepressants uh, do affect serotonin uh, levels. They're selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs. And if people remember the days of old-fashioned antidepressants, the tricyclics that, that really knocked you out and gave you a dry mouth, newer antidepressants uh, don't have these effects. They have some disadvantages, and I, I don't know if you want me to go through the, the pros and cons in more detail, Andrew? Um, yes, please. That would be helpful. Well, uh, in terms of uh, onset, the, the main thing to say is that it takes between two and four weeks for any antidepressants to start to kick in. And unfortunately, if you're going to get side effects, most of them will happen in those first couple of weeks. So for some people, that will be nausea, 
which will usually wear off after a, a week or two. For some people, it's insomnia, and, and the different antidepressants have different either alerting or sedating uh, profiles. Uh, so if insomnia is a big problem, then talk to the GP about what would suit you best. Okay. Other than that, there are um, problems with withdrawal. And, and I think a few years ago, we, we felt that there were no withdrawal problems. It's now accepted that particularly if you've been on them for a while, you should withdraw very slowly. Uh, they're not said to be addictive, but, but people do get withdrawal effects. Um, so, so those would be the main pros and cons, but I, I wouldn't be scared of medication and I certainly wouldn't be scared of talking therapies. The same thing applies, I think. If you, if you went for counselling years and years ago, there's a lot of navel-gazing involved. It, it's sort of Woody Allen uh, lying on the couch and how do you feel? That's not what talking therapies are about nowadays. It's very much focusing on how we can reframe our thoughts. And is that how they work for seasonal affective disorder, about reframing to see things in a positive way? Or, or, or how, how do they work specifically for seasonal affective disorder? Or is it the general effect on depression? If you're talking about medication, it seems to affect the positive and, positive and negative chemical uh, receptor sites so that the, the brain can, can see more positive. It, it's a, a chemical way of, uh, of wearing rose-tinted glasses. And the CBT effects on, on, on depression and uh, particularly on seasonal affective disorder? Again, very similar. It's trying to look at things in a positive way rather than a negative. And we can all do this. Um, if you've had something go wrong, and most of us have had something bad happen, you can choose, I think, to decide to focus on what you can't do, the sad things, the negative, the bad things that have happened, uh, or you can choose to focus on what you can do. And I certainly see this with patients, and I'm sure you do, Andrew, people who've been through really serious life-threatening illnesses, but who stay incredibly positive. And CBT is about encouraging us all to be able to do that. Absolutely, it's, it's important. Um, and we must remember this time of the year that January is a long month in many ways. It's not only 31 days, but it's always a long time till payday. And um, the 19th of January often is the, the day when people feel lowest uh, in the year. And so we must remember the importance of Somerset Mindline um, as, as a place where we can find support. And that's uh, Taunton, uh, 01823 892 uh, 01823 276 892 24 hours uh, seven days a week uh, and also searchable online and I, I must commend our colleagues the Samaritans who really do some great work in in helping people at a time when when especially if you're lonely especially if you're feeling low especially if things haven't gone as well and as happily as as they might have we all need support if we're feeling that life isn't worth living, something actually is badly out of balance and we really need to allow ourselves to, to find help and to find support. And um, the Samaritans is, is free from a mobile at 116123 and you can also email the Samaritans at jo at samaritans.org. So they're always able to, to help. So January the 19th is probably one of their busier days of the year, I would guess. I don't know that statistically, but it wouldn't surprise me. 
And a lot of people, one of the tragedies, I think, about depression in general and seasonal affective disorder is that when you have it, you think this is how it is. You think that you will always feel hopeless and sad and that life won't be worth living. And actually, the effective treatments that we've got now, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's talking therapies or whether it's medical treatment, can get you out of this and make a huge difference. So I would plead to anyone who's feeling uh, that they might have depression or seasonal affective disorder, get help. And in some sense, of course, we now have this uh, open mental health uh, way of looking at things. We, we now uh, have put a lot of extra money into primary care, into the voluntary sector, and people can now access mental health workers through their, uh, through their pr primary care, through their GP, uh, so they can be seen quickly for help. So do please ask for help. That's great. And Peter, just sort of one last thought before we come to an end. You know, we're, we're partway through a pandemic. We hope we're coming to the end of a pandemic, but it's probably affected a lot of people's emotional well-being and, and, and mental health. Do you think the COVID's affected mood memory this winter and, and the severity of SAD, uh, seasonal affective disorder? I'm sure that's right. We, we don't have the figures for SAD, but certainly we know that overall... Uh, there's been a roughly 25% increase in demand for mental health services uh, since the start of, of COVID, and that there are particular hotspots. So, for instance, body image in children and eating disorders um, has roughly doubled uh, since it happened. So I think we have to recognise that it's a hugely difficult time for everybody. And actually, there's going to be another group of people uh, who are going to be adversely affected when we come out of lockdown. And, and have to start uh, mixing with people again. So I think we're expecting to see a, a second spike then. I would come back to what I said before and what I tried to practice, not always successfully, uh, personally, which is try to turn the negative into a positive. Every day that we wake up is a good day. And even though we are going through this pandemic uh, and hopefully coming out the other side with a vaccine, uh, we can still make every day count. And it's given us, for instance, an appreciation, I think, of relationships uh, over, over physical stuff. And that's something I hope that we hold on to long into the future. Thank you, Peter. Relationships and, um, and I can't uh, resist the fact that because we're privileged to be in Somerset, our contact with nature uh, and what a privilege, as you say, is it is to wake up every day and to, to have another day to explore and to learn and to, to be here uh, in life and meet our loved ones and and do whatever we do in our day's work. Even in the bleak midwinter, uh, you can enjoy the, when the frosty wind is making moan, We there are things to enjoy. There are indeed. So, until next time, so the winter blues, and I hope that we've talked about that today, we've talked about winter blues, and in some ways, ways to banish them. Do get up in the morning as early as you can um, with bright light, uh, bright blue light. Do you have some activity? Do have nourishing foods and, and, and warm foods. Do reach out to other people. Uh, do connect with others and do try and find your purpose. And if you need help, there's help available. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast hosted by Dr. Andrew Tresider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.